KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzay Torah, and this is Ezra Beck, and today is Thursday, Yom Hey, Gimel Tamuz. Today's Shiur is a Shiur on Pashat HaShavua, and I will be the one giving the Shiur, Pashat Korach. Pashat Korach, as we know, is about Korach, it's about Korach's argument, Korach's dispute, Korach's rebellion against Moshe Rabbeinu. And we know that Korach had a bunch of people came with him. Now, without going into the details, I think everyone agrees that there's more than one party involved in, in Korach. There's Korach, who has some sort of an argument with Aaron Kohen. Apparently, Korach would like to be Kohen Gadol. There's the Tanvaviram, who are not arguing with Aaron. They seem to be arguing with Moshe. Later on, they have a direct argument with Moshe. They don't like the political leadership of Moshe. There are these 250 Nisiei who... We don't know what they want exactly, but somehow they want to get close to the Mikdash. They would like to be in the Mikdash. They want to be the Haktir Ketoret. And his own Ben Pellet, we have no idea what he's doing here. Chazal especially point out, and in, in later, on, later on, that the, the night between the original confrontation of Moshe with Korach and the next morning when when the, the story of the being swallowed by the earth takes place, so Chazal says Korach goes from house to house and finds everyone who has any sort of a grudge and, and he gets them to join his party. So it's a whole conglomeration of different complaints. But, there is one thing which, which uh, gathers them all together, and that's found in the Pasuk when they first come, because there it says, Vayikahalu al-Moshe, Korach and the Tan Raviram, and On ben Pelet, and 250 people, who are the very, very important princes of the people, Vayikahalu al-Moshe al haron they all get together, and they say, and here there's only one statement, they say one thing, Rav lachem kichol ha'ida kulam kedoshim uvotocham Hashem umadua titnasu al kahal Hashem. They express their democratic aspirations. For the entire congregation are all holy, and in their midst is God, and why are you, Moshe and Aaron, why are you lording it over the community of God? This statement is said by all of them. Later on, we find little bits of individuality and different punishments, in fact, are given to the different groups that are together with uh, Karach. It's a very interesting subject to discuss what are the different groups, but that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about this common theme. Because it's really disturbing. After all, isn't Karach correct? Isn't it true that the entire Eida, the entire congregation, is all, all of them are holy? And God is in their midst. And therefore, perhaps the conclusion is also correct. Why are you lording it over the community of God? Uvet tocham Hashem is a theme that was expressed by God since, at least since Pashat Tumah, Vasuli Mikdash V'Shachanti, Bit tocham. God dwells in the midst. And, and we've all, today, been subject to extensive uh, ideo- ideology, stressing that the presence of God in Israel is in Klau Yisrael and not in individuals. Are we supposed to identify with Korach's call or find it somehow an expression, a negative expression, something that's to be objected to, something which should give us repulsion? I don't know, I, I like it. What really is the problem that lies at the root of the Korach rebellion and how are we supposed to relate to it? Take a break, I want to talk about something else. Different question altogether. Karach's rebellion is directed against Moshe and Aaron. 
Moshe political leadership, Aaron the high priest, or the Kunagdola. In fact, the people who are in the rebellion are identified in one pasuk as Bnei Levi. When Moshe first responds to the entire group, Vayidaber el Korach el Adato, Moshe speaks to Korach and his whole Eida, his whole congregation, and he says to them later on, Vayomer Moshe el Korach pasuk Chet, Shimuna Bnei Levi, Rav lachem Bnei Levi. He calls them Bnei Levi. So, we only know of one Ben Levi who's involved in this, Korach himself. Maybe he had support. But in any event, Ben Levi identified as in the group of the complainers of the, of the rebels. What happens? The next morning, Korach and his group are swallowed up. His Eida are all swallowed up. The 250 people are, uh, they bring Ketovet, they bring incense, and they are burned to death. And then, the Jews complain about that. And they say, Moshe Rabbeinu, you're responsible for killing these people. The response to that is a kind of a ceremony whereby each tribe, the prince, the leader of each tribe, brings his staff with his name on it. They place it in the Ol Moed. One of them is the staff of Aaron. And the next morning, his staff is chosen. It's, it flowers and has fruit. When that takes place, everybody takes their staff, they go home, and that's the end of all the rebellions. This appears to be a ceremony proving the election of Shevet Levi. But Shevet Levi was never an issue in the rebellion. How does this answer the question that was asked, Atem hamitemet am Hashem, the people complained to Moshe and Aaron, you've killed Korach, Datan, Babiram, and all their followers, and therefore you have a divine proof, a miraculous proof, that Shevet Levi is special. Remember, there are 12 staffs, one for each tribe. And the, and the staff of Levi, the staff of Aaron, the prince of Levi, is chosen. What does this have to do with the story of Korach? Nobody, as far as we can tell in the story of Korach, questioned the election of Shevet Levi. Not only does this uh, uh, ceremony take place, but immediately afterwards, the rebellion is really over, but immediately afterwards, God says to Moshe, uh, that he's going to take care of the Mikdash, He'll prevent unauthorized Jews from entering the Mikdash. And there is an entire description of how he's going to have the Levim help him. It's as though the Levim were just now selected. But the Levim was selected back in Parshat Bamidbar and Parshat Baalotcha. We have a whole long description there of how they're counted separately. The numbers are compared to the numbers of the firstborn. Then they're switched for the firstborn. And then in Parshat Baalotcha, there's a whole ceremony of how they, they, they shave, they come to the Mikdash, there's Tanufa, they're waved in the air by the, by, by the Kohanim, and they become the Vim, and, and it's described at length. Now, after Pashat Korach, it's as though they're being reselected, re-elected, and given new jobs, or given the same job again, it's really the same job, they're told to help the Kohanim take care of the Mikdash. What does this have to do with Pashat Korach? 
Okay, to answer this question, hopefully, uh, obviously you can suspect me already. If I answer this question, I'm going to answer the first question. Okay, to answer this question, let's compare what it says about the Leviim here to Leviim in Parshat Bamidbar and Parshat Baalotcha. Before that, a, a diok, a, a careful reading of this interesting ceremony of the staffs. I said that there were 12 staffs. Obviously, each staff represents a tribe. I don't think you can argue with that, but the language of the Torah. God says to Moshe to tell the Jews, Kach itam, take from them, mate, mate, it's a bit of a pun. Mate means a staff, it also means a tribe. Take from them a staff, levait av, me'et konsi'ehem, levait avotam, shnei masamatot. Take twelve staffs, one for each, beit av can mean a family, apparently here means a large family, a, a, a tribe. But take it from the princes of each tribe. Ish et shmo tichtov al mateu. You write the name of the prince on the staff. That's a very unusual thing. If the staff represents the tribe, why is there the name of the prince of the tribe on the staff? Write the name of the tribe. You have twelve staffs. So write Uvein, Shimon, Levi, Yudai, Sachar, Zulun, Uvin, Yamin, Dan, Naftri, Gad, Vasher. Yosef or Ephraim and Manasseh. Why you write the individual's name? It's not. It doesn't represent the individual. He's merely the representative. So why is his name? A name means, when you put someone's name on something, it means you're looking at his individuality, his special personality. If he's only representing, someone has to bring the staff, so he's only representing the tribe, put the name of the tribe. The Torah repeats, as far as the staff of Levi, write Aaron's name on the staff of Levi. The staff is the staff of Levi. Should not, you know, think anything for a second that it's not. It's a personal staff of Aaron. It's the staff of Levi, but put Aaron's name on it. Why do you put Aaron's name on the staff of Levi? The Torah explains. Because there's one staff for the heads of the tribes. When, in fact, the choice is, 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 is made, so the Pasuk says the choice is, in fact, individual. And the individual the man, the single individual, Asher Efchar Bo, who I will choose, Mateo Yifrach, his staff will blossom. So it, it, the Torah is saying, I'm choosing an individual. But individual, there are only 12 individuals, one to each Shevet, and the staff represents the Shevet. What happens later on in the morning? Sure enough, it's our own staff. And how does the Torah say that? On the morning, Moshe comes to the tent. This is the only time in the Torah we find this phrase. Which staff blossom? Not the staff of Aaron. Not the staff of Levi. The staff of Aaron Levi. Aaron the Levite. Aaron who is from the house of Levi. And then, that's the end of all rebelliousness in Amisa. Moshe brings out the staffs from before God to the Jews. They see it, 
Each person takes a staff. End of the Pasuk. In other words, each person takes it, goes home, and they don't say a word. There's nothing to say. It's all over. What did they see? And, and what is the Torah telling us about what these staffs represent? Okay. Let's now compare the next Pasha. The selection of the Leviyim. Selection of the Leviyim takes place, first of all, in Parshat Bamidbar. After the Jews are uh, counted, then the Leviyim are counted. God says, go to Leviyim, count them, find out how many there are. At that point, God also tells Moshe Rabbeinu why he is um, counting Leviyim. Perek Gimel. Pasuk. Begins Pasuk, hey. Vayidaber Adonai Moshe Leimor, hakrevet mate levi, v'matato lifnei Aaron HaKohen, v'sher tu oto. Take the tribe of Levi, it's called him a Mate. Take the tribe of Levi, place him, meaning them, before Aaron HaKohen, and they shall serve him. And they shall keep his keeping. Vishamru et Mishmarto. Bet Mishmeret Koleida Lifne Omoed Labodat Abadata Mishkan. Because the whole long is what they have to do. They have to watch over the Kalim, they have to watch over the Mishkan. You shall give the Leviim to Aaron and his sons. Remember this Pasuk. They are given, they are given. They are given, they are given to him from the Jews. Who is him? Aaron. So the Leviim are present from B'nai Yisrael to Aaron. It, it sounds futile. They're given to be servants almost the Shertu Oto they shall serve him but if they're given they're given it means that they are handed over they, he, he, they, they belong they belong to Aaron that is Peregimel Pasuk Hei Tetet right afterwards there's another speech of Hashem to Moshe which sort of repeats it a little bit different Vayidaber Adonai Moshe Limo Pasuk Yudalaf Vanihi Nei Lakachti Talviyim Mitoch Bnei Yisrael Tachat Kol Bechop Petarechem Nei Yisrael Vayuli Halviyim God says to Moshe, I'm taking the Levim from the Jews and they're going to be mine. Why mine? Because the Bechorim, the firstborn belonged to me from the time when I killed the firstborn of Mitzrayim. And, as will be explained immediately, the Levim are switching the Bechorim. So there's a, they have two different parashiyot in Parashat Bamidbar and there's a distinct difference between them. In one it says the Levim are given to Aaron from the Jews and it says they're given to God from the Jews. Okay, I don't want to talk about the difference between those two parashiyot. It's an interesting point about what it means to be a Levi. Is a Levi a servant of God or is he a servant of Aaron? Both those things are found in two adjacent uh, sections, almost two adjacent psukim in the, in the Torah. A little bit later in Pashat Balotra, the actual uh, ceremony of sanctifying Levim takes place. Perekhet. You should take the Levim and purify them and then it explains what you have to do. They have to shave and they have to bring a korban. And at that point, God also says, what's the point of it? What, why are you doing this? And here again we have another definition of who the Levim are. In Pasuk, Tet Zayin, 
Remember the expression before, Nitunim Nitunim Heimalo. They are given, given to Aaron. Nitunim Nitunim is a singular, unique expression in Torah found in only these two places. They are given, given. One time it says, Nitunim Nitunim Heimalo to Aaron. And here it says, Nitunim Nitunim Heimali Mitoch Beneisa. Okay, so we have two aspects of being a Levi. The difference between Balotcha and Bamidbar is that the two aspects are put together. Nitunim, nitunim, heimali, they are given to me. Ve'ekachat alviyim, tachat kol b'chom b'nei Yisrael. And pasuk yitet, ve'etna alviyim, nitunim li'aron u'vanav. So in Bamidbar it says they're given to Aaron, they're given to me. Here it says they're given to me and I give them to Aaron. Okay, so the two aspects are put together. But this is what it says in Baalotcha and Bamidbar. Now we have similar statements, the dual statements in fact, found in Pashat Korach. After Aaron is chosen by having his staff blossom, God tells Aaron what to do with Levi. He says like this, Perek Yudchet. If you have a Chumash uh, or Tanakh, I'm making comparisons between the Psukim, it might help to follow. Inside. Pasuk Aleph, Perek Yudchet, Pasuk Aleph, Pashat Korach. Vayom Aradonai El Aaron, Atahu Banechu Veit Avicha Itach, He's telling Aaron and you and your children, in other words, the Kohanim, you have to take care of the Mikdash and keep it safe. And also, I told you to do it, but also, your brethren, the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, bring with you and they will accompany you and serve you Yishartuch that's the expression that appeared in the first parasha in Parshat Bamidbar and they will help you do this job of taking care of the Mikdash a little bit later in Pasuk Vav and I have taken your brethren Levim, mitoch b'nei In other words, this is the second pasha we saw in Bamidbar. I've taken them from Israel to me to God. But I've given them to you. Okay, so you have the two, the two parallel expressions that appeared in Bamidbar and in Balotcha. They're, they're given to you to serve you, they're given to me, and I give them to you. But there's one crucial difference between the expressions here and the expressions in Bamidbar and Balotcha. If you read Parshat Bamidbar, the Psukim I read before, I'm not going to read them again. If you read those Psukim, or in Parshat Balotcha, you have no reason to imagine that Aaron is a Levi. That there's any connection whatsoever between Aaron and Levi. Aaron is Hakohen. Aaron has been Hakohen before Shevet Levi was even close to being connected to the Mikdash. As soon as we begin discussing the Mishkan, in Pashat Truma, mostly in Tetzaveh, you have Aaron and his children are going to be the Kohanim. The Levim are chosen much later. And the Pasha in Bamidbar says, the Levim are given to Aaron or Kohen. I, I know that Aaron is a Levi. Because I remember from way back in Pashat Va'era, when we have the genealogy of Aaron, 
But if you read Bamidbar and you read Balotcha, and I suggest you read it again and again and again, there is no reason to imagine that there's any connection, any tribal connection, any family connection between Aaron and Levi. On the contrary, the Leviim are given as, as serfs, as servants to Aaron, or they're given to God and God gives them to Aaron. In our Pasha, you have both of the two Psukim that parallel the Pashiot beforehand and emphasis on this relationship. In the first Pasuk I read, I read it again. God says to Aaron, you will take care of the Mikdash, Begamet Achecha, and your brethren, the tribe of Levi, Shevet Avicha, the tribe of your father, bring close to you, V'yilavu Alecha, and they will accompany you. And frankly, in the, the Hebrew here is, is non-grammatical. Lilavot is to accompany, it should be Lilavot Otcha, they will accompany you. It says Yilavu Alecha, they will accompany on you. The Alecha sounds like the service. Yilavu is the accompaniment. It's a, it's a combined expression of they will be with you and subject to you. And they will serve you. But the main point I want to make, it says, your brethren, the tribe of your father. The second pasuk I quoted, it's less emphasized, but nonetheless quite clear. I've taken your brethren, the Levi'im, your brothers, the Levi'im, and they will be given to you to serve God. Etc., etc., together with the Levi'im. In other words, what is the most distinct and clear distinction between our Pasha and the first time when you have the same thing, the election of the Levi'im? There the Levi'im was separated with any connection to the Kohanim. The Kohanim exists. Aaron is the unique individual who the Torah even explains why he was chosen. Korach, I imagine, thinks that, that Aaron was chosen because he is Moshe's brother. But we don't think that. We know Aaron is, is a great tzaddik. Oh, shalom. Oh, Dev shalom. He's a unique individual. And he's the Kohen. He's the Kohen because of his unique spiritual gifts. And the Levim are given to the Kohen, he and his children, to be their personal servants. In Pashat Korach, it's emphasized that the election of the Kohen and the election of the Levim is one, one conglomerate. Aaron is a Levi. He's first among the Levim. But he is a Levi. In the relationship within Shevet Levi, this may appear to us to be somewhat uh, 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 feudal. It's not really dem- democratic. Within Shevet Levi, the whole Shevet has a servile relationship to the leaders of the Shevet, to the Nasi. That's exactly what took place in the ceremony of the staffs. Aaron there doesn't have a staff because he's a unique and wonderful individual. Aaron is the chief, the prince of Shevet Levi, whose staff flowers Aaron Levet Levi. What is the Pasha saying? We don't look at unique, great individuals. The unique, great individual is the number one, the leader of his tribe. And the selection of Aaron is the selection of Levi and Eoipso, the prince of Levi. So Aaron is in fact chosen to be the Kohen, but why? Not because he stood out, but because he did send out within Levi. He's number one of Levi. Levi is chosen, one of twelve staffs, flowers, and therefore, 
the man whose name was written on that staff, why is his name on the staff? Because yes, the Torah has this ideology that says that one man represents the whole tribe. But he represents the tribe. He's embedded in the tribe. So his name appears on the staff of Levi because he is the number one Levi. So if you, if you read like Middle Age literature, so the name of the king of England is England. Shakespeare refers. Kings talk to each other. They say, hello France, hello England. So Aaron is Levi. But he's only Levi because they were Leviim. He, because he's the first among the brethren, Shevet Avicha, Achecha, Yilavuotcha, of, of the Leviim. I suspect, and I would like to suggest that this is the key to understanding Parshat Korach. Korach says, Kichol Ha'ida Kulam Kedoshim Uvtucham Hashem, Umadua Titnasu Al Kahal Hashem. What Korach is saying is, all the Jews are holy. Why are you so special? Korach thinks that Aaron has been being treated by Moshe, perhaps by God, being demanded the other Jews treat him as being a, a elected, a special individual, a super a super individual. He says, Why? I'm a Democrat, we're all special. God belongs to you, God belongs to me too. And what happens is who hears his message specifically? There are two hundred and fifty ish, two hundred and fifty individuals who say, Yeah, yeah, we could also be that we can also bring the incense in the Mikdash. After Korach goes down and the Jews come to complain, the complaint which led to the ceremony I've just described, they have a very unusual expression. They come to complain when they see that the 250 people have been, have been killed and they say to Moshe, Atem hamitem et am Hashem. You have killed the people of God. People in Hebrew, not, not persons. Am Hashem, the nation of God. 250 people were killed on it. It's a big tragedy, but it's not Am Hashem. The Torah till then has described these people as Matayim Hamishim Haish. Nisi'ei Eida. Kuei Moed. Ansheshem. 250 Ansheshem. People with a name. People who were distinct individuals. Special individuals, outstanding individuals. The Jews have figured it out that it's true that Kichol Ha'ida Kulam Ktoshim Hashem. But that's because they're a collective, not because they're individuals. And therefore, even though they're still complaining, the complaint is Atemhamitemet Am Hashem. You've killed the people of God, 250 in, in, in fact. But our complaint isn't because this person shouldn't have been killed and this person shouldn't have been killed and this person shouldn't have been killed. They represented Amashem. Moshe Rabbeinu's answer is to say, yes, and Avona Kohen is also not an Ish Shem, a man with a special name. God chooses Aaron because Aaron Levet Levi. And therefore, immediately afterwards, God redefines the relationship of Aaron to Levi. He tells the Aaron, he tells Aaron Ubanav, you have to take care of the Mikdash. And you have to make sure that the Jews don't come in where they shouldn't belong. And remember that Leviim are going to be with you, your brothers, your, your own tribe. If Aaron is special because he comes out of Levi, then I think it's obvious, it doesn't have to be spelled out, that Levi is special because they come out of Am Yisrael. In other words, the crucial fallacy is, do we look at individuals or do we look at the group? Once I explain that the Moshe and Aaron, specifically Aaron, once I explain that Aaron is Aaron the Siha Levi, 
and I've broken the 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 super individualism that Karach expressed, then the Jews really understand that So we all have a corporate relationship with God. Within that corporation, there are different jobs. So the Levim have a job, and from the Levim, the Ikonim have a job. But it doesn't bother us anymore, because it's not a question of, gee, God is close to them, He's not close to us. God is close to all, but all taken together. And each person's individual role, individual uh, achievement is from within that collective identity. That's what the Parach Mate Aaron, the Beit Levi, means. If a stick can flower, it's not because Aaron is special. It's because he is Prince Levim. And therefore, figure it out. If the Levim have a special role to God, it's because they're also one tribe out of twelve. They are mitoch b'nei Yisrael. The Pasuk had said that way back in Bamidbar, but I think the people hadn't understood. Because they were focusing not on Levi'im, but on Aaron. Once they focus on the Levi'im, then they realize that Korach is both correct and incorrect. The Pasuk, Yichol Ha'ida Kulam Kedoshim, is true. It's, it's essential to our understanding of each and every one of us, our relationship with God. But not the way Korach understood it. Not that you have a special relationship with God. And you, and you and you. We each have a special relationship with God because we're part of Kol Ha'idah. And the word Ha'idah is repeated over and over and over again in this parsha, both negatively and positively. Korach says the whole Ha'idah is Kadosh. God comes to Moshe Rabbeinu and says to him, He badlu mitoch Ha'idah hara azot achalel tam keraga. He says, you and Aaron, you go on the side, you'll be saved, let me kill everybody else. The Eida. Of course, Aaron and Moshe, Moshe says, no, absolutely not. What is God saying, I think, tongue in cheek? Uh, you know, you're two good individuals. Maybe I'll have a relationship with you. And they, I'll kill. But Moshe says, what do you mean? If, they, if you kill the whole Eida, he badlumi toch Eida, I should separate myself from the Eida. If I separate myself from the Eida, there's nothing left. And so Moshe Rameinu keeps his feet within the Eida. The individuals are punished. Korach, Badatol, Tan, Babiram, one by one by one by one. But the Eida HaKadosha remains. The Jews say, ah, but, and God says, no, 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 they're individuals. And Moshe and Aaron, they are Mitoch, Mitoch B'nai Israel. There is, of course, an obvious and great and important lesson from this, which I leave you to draw yourselves. This is not only a story of Korach, Moshe, and Aaron. It's a story of the, the personal relationship of every spiritual seeker, of everyone who comes close to God. It's based on your merits, but it's rooted in your membership of Klal Yisrael. The, the Brit, the Shekhinah, resting of Shekhinah in the world is not on the shoulders of an individual special as he is. It's on and within that, the individual has a particular role which is appropriate for his for his skills. That's it for Pashat Shavua. And now I, my other my other hat, switch roles to the daily medrash. 
I'm continuing directly from the Midrash that we read yesterday, the Pasuk, Batiftach Aretz et Pia, and immediately afterwards it says what falls in to the opening of the earth. And it says that uh, the people, that kol ha-shelahem, v'et kol ha-yikum. The word yikum is a difficult word. It means everything that stands up. In modern Hebrew, yikum means the universe. So this is what Chazal say in the Bedrash. V'et kol ha-yikum zeh ha-mamon. It means their belongings, their, 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 their money. It means everything that they own. Why is the belongings of a person called Yikum Shema'amidat HaRaglayim it makes you stand up it stands you up Yikum Mashemikimotcha a person stands well, that's the, the closest thing in English we call it support support is, is the money that, in which you live so this is that which supports a person when they were swallowed up not only the people were swallowed up including as we saw in the Midrash uh, two days ago against any other, different from any other punishment, any other sin in the Torah, bidei Adam, bidei Shemayim, human or divine punishment, this one is more extreme than that. Even the children, even infants were swept up into the pit, but also everything which, everything which belonged to them. Their, their, their property was wiped out. Rabbeinu Amru, our masters have said, Afilo hayu kelim biyada koves, hayu metgalgalin ubaim benibla'im imahen. Suppose, they had you know, their, their, their clothing was sent out to the dry cleaner on this day so it rolled right out of the store went to the pit and fell and fell down Rabbi Shmuel Ben Nachmani Yamar Afilu Machat Shaita Shulai Biyad Yisrael Miyadam Afiyaita Nivlat suppose there was a pin or a needle a sewing needle that one person had lent to another it was in hands of a different Jew at this moment it flew out of the air jumped into the pit and went down. It's really an extreme reaction. Why? Because of machloket. They had machloket with God and therefore this response. The question is, is it quite close? It's a very severe sin to dispute with God. Machlokas is a very severe sin. It still don't understand it. If it's a severe sin, you should get hit twice. But what's the point of having the clothes fly out of the dry cleaner? But I think the answer is, we're not talking about the severity of the sin in terms of a severe punishment. What the Torah is saying, what Chazal is saying, and I think it's the same point as we saw in the Midrash about that even their children and their infants, the way to end Machloket isn't necessarily to punish the Bala Machloket, but to, but to end it. You have to wipe it out completely. Otherwise, Machloket is the kind of thing, a dispute, argument, uh, uh, dissension, is such that it leaves seeds in the ground, seething underneath the surface. And tomorrow they'll sprout again if somebody else or some other place. Well, Chokot doesn't end when you put the person in jail. You give the person a, a shmeisen panim, you give him some sort of a punishment. Chokot has to be wiped out. So I'm not saying that practically speaking by burying their belongings that helps. But I think the idea that Chazal is saying is that the response to Chokot is nothing is left. Their memory is blotted out. And that's why really the picture of the Torah, of the earth opening up its mouth and everything going in and then it's closing over it. It's not like killing somebody. Here, they just, they disappear. They, they get swallowed up into the earth and everything is gone. And in that context, Chazal say, 
and their clothing and their pins and their 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 klayavodah, the the utensils of the trade, if they had lent it to somebody or or, or left it someplace, later on the next morning you looked around and it's as though they had never existed. There was no sign that these people ever existed. Lama shachalak ala kadosh baruchu. Dissension, dissent, and and machloket has to be obliterated. Otherwise, it continues to seethe. And in that context, very, very important and understandable continuation. The afal pichen, the Medra says, even so, latid lavohim atidin la'alot. When I'm saying they were wiped out, I don't mean because the punishment requires a very, very strong punishment. There is a mosag, a concept of karet. Karet means you're, the punishment is not just you should die, but you should be, you should be wiped out. But here, it was, practically speaking, to end the machlokets. Even though I'm saying there is no memory of them, it's as though they never existed in terms of the social situation of Am Yisrael, but latid lavo, when the bitchet amitim, heimatidin la'alot, they will be included as sinners, more severe, less severe, they're like other sinners. In Ko Yisrael Yeshlem Chelek Lamaba, they have a portion in the world to come. Well, here it says that they will la'alot, meaning that they will uh, be resurrected, in the resurrection of the dead, b'tchet ha-meitim, b'b'yudah b'b'teira, shonesh v'eshlam chelek l'amaba. Same idea, but they will have a chelek l'amaba. This statement is important in light of the previous statement. On one hand, the actual act of being sought up means that the machloket is finished, is wiped out, it doesn't exist, but the individual person's relationship with God is, it's very, very serious what they did, but at a time when the world will be corrected and the world will be fixed, and all of society will be reconstructed at the end of time, then they also have a place. Because a pasuk which seems to be referring directly to this, after all, when they were swallowed up by the earth, it says that they went down Chayim Sha'ola, alive into Sha'ol, into the depths, and Chana in Hatfila said about God, Hashem Mimit God kills and gives life. Morid Sha'ol Vayal He puts people down to Sha'ol the same place where they went Chaim Sha'ola He go down to Sha'ol Vayal and he brings them up he brings them up alive that's it for today um, there will not be a Shiur in Erev Sh- the Erev Shabbat program tomorrow this week there will be no program at all since I'm in South Africa and unable to prepare it so we I will say now Shabbat Shalom I apologize for the missing Shiyu this week and we'll be back on Monday with the Shiyu of Harav Tavori in the weekly in the weekly mitzvah Shabbat Shalom Bibakat HaTorah Mi'etzion you've been listening to KMTT today the Shiyu on Pashat HaShavua this is Ezra Bek I gave the Shiyu and the Midrash Hayomi the daily Midrash Kimitzion Tetzei Torah Udvar Hashem Emi Yerushalayim